here this morning, so if we could just take our seats and uh, start starting. I want to say uh, first and foremost that uh, after uh, the service, we'll be having a brief, quick, impromptu prayer meeting uh, because of uh, our beloved president. And I, you say, oh, you're such a partisan. No, I would pray for any president. I would do this for any president. Um, I also want to pray for Garrett. Garrett's uh, having a surgery, rather significant surgery tomorrow, tomorrow morning. So we want to pray for Garrett. We want to pray for the president. And I want you to come up here right away if you want to be part of that. Don't fiddle. Don't diddle. Don't, don't mess around. Just like I say, we'll come right up and we'll pray. And um, the other thing I want to talk about, a couple other things. Uh, so Saturday we're going to take a hike. Um, that's going to be a quaddy head. We'll leave from my house at 8 o'clock if you need directions. Uh, or, uh, you know, if you get a GPS, you all set, I'll give you the address and away we go if you don't know where I live. And the other thing, too, is a quaddy head, it's, um, you don't need your hiking sticks. You can bring your hiking poles if you want. Uh, it's, it's pretty user-friendly. It's like, it's, I think it's only like three miles. I don't know if you've been. It's it's picturesque. It's some breathtaking vistas. You're walking along this cliff. Well, you're walking in a ways, but it comes out to these bluffs where you can look up. And if you <laughs> you want to look down, don't don't lose your balance. You will die horribly. I mean, uh, it, but it's not like that. It's not like you're you know walking on this precipice the whole time. And you can. I mean, if you stay back away, you're all sad. If, if you get like you know heights bother you or something like that. I say, what about kids? You keep your kids away from the edge, they'll, fi- they'll do fine. Um, and like I say, it's like it's not really hot, up and down and steep and rocks. and It's kind of mostly just a level hike. There is some up and there is some down, but not much and not for a long time. Like you can, you know, someone like me will walk up, it's like 50 yards and it's kind of like steep. And then you get to the top, you're a little winded and you keep going on and you catch your breath back. And it's like I say, no big deal. You can do the whole thing with hardly a sweat. So if that's, you know, because last time we were doing like a Katai Nine Works and that's, that's significant hike. That's, and you know, you have to ford a river and that scared a few people off. So I, well, this is, this is easier. This is easier. And it's, and I think we'll like have a picnic lunch after if you pack something, you know, just a sandwich or something like that, and we're done. We'll we'll eat. And so that's that's my big plan. So, and uh, now importantly, hosting a first choice virtual fundraising banquet watch party. It's uh, October twenty third. I I'm saying host or show up for one, or just if you check shows up. Now I don't talk like that all the time, right? I'm really low-key about giving. We all know that. Um, First Choice doesn't have a church, okay, that they don't have like a pastor who can endorse. So I'm I'm saying that on their behalf. Really important ministry we've been connected with since we first uh, showed up here and will continue to be. So when is it? It's October 23rd. Where? Your home or somebody else's home who invites you. The only one I know for sure is Bob and Ann, but we can't all go there. So, you know, if there's two or three hosts, that would be really good. Uh, you know, like I say, let Ann know, let me know, because, you know, and I, I just, because I'll announce that you're, you know, looking for people who want to attend. What you need to know, invite family and friends to the comfort of your home, making sure they know this is a fundraiser because we can't meet in large groups because there's a pandemic on. 
Uh, confirm your guest attendance. Contact first, cho first Choice no later than October 19th to give them a head count. Two options. On the evening of the meal, on the evening of the banquet, you pick up your complete to-go meal from the Parsonage House, and it has an address here. Um, and with this option, all you have to provide is a beverage. Option two, provide the meal of your choice for your guests. Easy peasy, right? Uh, and the, I would even say option three. If you get a bunch of people come and you say, okay, you bring a casserole, you bring a salad, you bring the bread course, you bring soup, or whatever you want to do. You know, it's your extravaganza. You know, play it any way you want. Uh, next step, enjoy fellowship. And at 7 p.m., join the live stream on to be determined. And, of course, it will be go to meetings, Zoom, Teams. There's all of them out there. Most all of them are free. They don't, and because I, I don't think they're gonna, you know, you're gonna download something. It's gonna cost you a hundred bucks, and then that ain't gonna happen. So they'll do Zoom or something like that. We will let you know ASAP. Collect any donations your guests may want to give in person. We will provide pledge cards. There'll also be a text to give number on the screen. Um, we regret we are unable to accommodate special meal requests this year. Because some of you are like gluten free and all that happy stuff and uh, whatever it is, you, it, you, we're not going to be able to we'll do that. Okay. Um, make sure you schedule enough time to enjoy your meal, and then there's a number for first, first choice. And she's gone. She's another. I was going to ask if I left Bob. Did I leave anything out? That's pretty much it. All right. I I read. I didn't add lib hardly. Okay. We're in first John chapter five. We're gonna finish off. God be praised. We're gonna and you guys are so happy and there was much rejoicing. You're gonna finish first John. You're kidding me. Listen, I'm not apologizing for going slow. There were so many things here that just we had to drill down, we had to reflect. Even today, I'm gonna I'm gonna polish it off, but there's really three sermons here. I my thinking, I'm just gonna pack it all into one. Again, listen quick. I, I like to talk quick, cover a lot of ground. Don't dawdle. Stay with, okay? Let's pray. God, we pray your blessing on your word. I don't pray my blessing on my own word. And as Carl said earlier, whether whether it's me or Carl or Ken Graves, Lord, we, we take these things and we look at them in light of your word. And we don't believe men. We believe you. And Lord, so help me to interpret this text correctly in a way that will bless us and increase our spiritual life that will help us walk closer to you we ask it in jesus name amen now last week in first john chapter 5 we finished off verse 13 let's read 11 12 and 13 just to kind of get a running start at this okay this is the record that god has given us eternal life and this life is in his son he that hath the son hath life and he that hath not the son of god hath not life Adam, you don't really believe that. I really believe it with all my heart, and I believe Scripture obviously teaches that. So I talk to people and I say, you know, do you know if you're going to heaven or not? Well, I don't know. I'm not certain. How can you know? You can't know. And I'm like, you're mistaken. First John chapter 5, verse 13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You have to know. Imagine standing before God, unsure. Boy, I hope he's having a good day. That's not a place you want to be. 
Why, what are you hoping in? Well, I think I'm a good person. No, you're going to hell. You're ridiculous. The scripture tells you, you're ridiculous. That's, that's, a, that's an empty, weird, unsubstantiated scriptural hope. I know I'm going to have you say, you're awful arrogant. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, yeah, but not for that reason. For a whole different other reasons I'm arrogant. And I'm really wrestling with that. I don't want to be. I know that I'm going to heaven, not because I'm a good person, because Jesus Christ died for my sins. And I take uh, this eternal life as the gift by the Son of God. And this is what's said all through Scripture. And he has given us, and so we can accept this precious gift, humbly, knowing that we don't deserve anything. Because God, you know, at the, end of the thing, at the end of the day, religion, right? You think you're doing good, and you're arrogant, and God doesn't want you to be arrogant. Or you think you're doing poor, and you're miserable, thinking I'm not making it, I'm not doing enough, and God doesn't want you to be miserable. Or you can know that you have eternal life through Jesus Christ, and be humbly accepting eternal life as a gift. And God does want you to be humble, and he wants you to accept eternal life as a gift, the gift that it is. And I wrote these things that you might, one, know that you have eternal life, and two, that you might believe on the name of the Son of God. And both of these things are the same thing. <laughs> you, we believe in the name of the Son of God, and we have eternal life. Well, I don't believe in that Jesus Christ is, is I don't believe that Jesus is the Christ. Well, you, you don't have eternal life. And again, that's the whole book of First John that I'm not going to be able to sum up at this moment. Now, moving on. This is the confidence that we have in him. Verse 14. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Wait a second. You just hear what I just said? So we ask God and he just, he's obligated to fill in. He's, he's Santa in the sky and here's my Christmas list all year long. I want uh, a new pony and a fire truck and a yo-yo and I want a million dollars and I want anybody to go on and on and on and God has to do it because he said he's going to do it. Now wait a second, there's a caveat here and it's an important caveat, right? It's conditional, and it's an important condition he places on it. But even then, it's still a very powerful promise. Is it wrong to pray about things that we don't know if it's God's will? Listen, besides me, really, just be honest here for a second. Has anyone ever prayed for a million dollars or a big sum of money? Did anyone ever do that? Just, just me and, okay, three or four. Oh, good, good, about 10% of us. That's good. The rest of us are so holy, we don't, <laughs> we don't care about these things. Um, you, you've done that. Did you get it? Did you get it? Because I don't have a million dollars. I didn't get it. But, but God said, not at once, not at one sitting. But God said, listen, work hard. Don't say no to overtime. Invest wisely, and I'll take care of you. That's what he told me. And I think, like, Susan used to pray against me. She didn't want a million dollars. I'm thinking, what is wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with Sue. She's, like, smarter than me by half, at least. At least. Or I should say wiser, okay? She knew that would ruin us. You know, I, God just dumps this big chunk of change on my lap, and I quit my job and go around the world and live a profligate life of just waste and irresponsible and not seeking the Lord. I'm glad that there was times in my life where I had to pray, give us this day our daily bread, when we were really up against it financially. Was God faithful? Like, yeah, only always. But 
He didn't want to do that. Was it wrong for me to pray that? I don't think it was wrong. I just think it was not as quite as wise as I could have been, should have been. And so we pray about things, and we don't know what God's will is. And I don't think it's wrong to ask and give him the prerogative to say, no, this is not in your best sentence. It's not where I want to take you in life. It's not the thing that I want to do. So now remember, he's our loving heavenly father. He has a will for our life. Do we, should we pray in his will? Well, yeah. Yeah, I think that, that has a really good outcome. What do you mean? Well, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Now, I want you to understand, hears us. Because I pray for the million dollars. Does he hear me? Well, he understands what I've prayed. And the answer is, not right now, son. That's not, no. He hears everything. But I mean, hears us in the idea that we've made a connection. He's like, I'm hearing you. I got this. Does he pray? Does he answer us when we pray according to his will? Yeah, this is what it's saying. That's an incredible thing. What do we? Because what we know, we know that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So you're praying for someone's salvation. Is that praying in the will of God? I'm, I'm telling you, it is. Now we'll pray for the president's health. Do we know the outcome of that? Now some will say, and we'll look at this next week in Second John. Some will say, or Third John, I mean, week after. We'll do second John will take us one week. We'll do third John will take us one week. Promise, okay? As much as I can promise these things. Uh, Jude 2 or maybe 3. I haven't sorted that out yet. And then we'll go into Revelation after that. Stay tuned. It'll be a lot of fun. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, we're praying in his will and does he hear us? Yeah, we do. He does. Is it the will of God that the president is healed? Because we're gonna we'll pray that afterwards. Or for, for that matter, our, our brother Garrett. Well, we certainly hope so. Do we know so? Well, some will try to tell us, yes, in every case, it's always God's will that he heals everybody. Then every deathbed becomes a testimony to the fact that God doesn't answer prayer. Isn't it God's will sometime? It's time to come on home. You run your course. I think so, and I think we'll see that in Scripture. And I think now we should pray for those who have authority over us. Um, I do. I hope you do. Like I say, Sue's up half night. She's worried about the president. She was some this light on in my room, and oh, what's going on? She's got on the phone, and she's looking for the updates of the most, and she's praying. She's up half the night. God bless her. She's very conscientious that way and I wanted to join her in prayer but I really rather join the Sandman I'm just gonna like I'll let you I'll let you do the heavy lifting I'm just gonna and away I went and stuff and I don't know sometimes you know because we I've had that where she's up and praying and I wake up and we have prayer together that that happens but not all the time like I say last night you take care of that babe and she did uh we have a confidence in the Lord. He loves us. He's our Heavenly Father. He likes to bless us. And He wants to give us the thing. Listen, I, Lord, give me humbleness about this. Give me real humility. Give me, let me see this thing the way you see this. Does He answer that prayer? Yeah, every time. When I pray for humility, yeah, every time. 
<laughs> when I pray for wealth, yeah. well, he has blessed, and I'm not, I'm not hurting physically, financially, or any other way. He, he knows how to bless, like I say. He's a good God. But when we pray according to his will, we're making a connection. He's like, yeah, I want you to be humble. Lord, I want to be more Christ-like. I want to represent well. I want to, I want to, I want to do my work well that represents you. Does he bless? Yeah, he keeps blessing. He keeps adding. He keeps, he keeps answering. And this is the promise, and it's a significant promise. He's not an indulgent dad any more than I was or that you are. You know, I, if, if the kids, when they were like seven and eight, ran the menu of our house, what would that look like? You know, it'd be ice cream every meal and just sweets and sugar and soda and garbage. They, Dad, Brussels sprouts. Think Brussels sprouts, Dad. Right? So I wasn't an indulgent dad. And <laughs> they probably should be happy that I'm not. They have teeth. <laughs> Imagine if they're eating all that gum and sugar and did teeth are rotten. See Mike, he's got this gorgeous smile. Where did he get that? I don't know, because neither me or his mother have like perfect teeth like he does. Uh, that's crazy. But anyway, that's beside the fact. I'm getting off the topic here. Uh, so if we ask anything, according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. That's an incredible problem. I don't know. Carte blanche. Ask anything. Oh, as long as it's in my will, you're going to get it. Really? Wow! <laughs> that's crazy. That's, a, that, that's, a, that's insanely good. Does it always happen? Do we always get what we want? Our will and God's will sometimes aren't going in the same direction. Remember Jesus praying in the garden? Lord, I, if you've got plan B, now's a good time to bring that out. Let's explore that together. Because I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to be forsaken by you. But I've come to the earth for this hour. Let's do it your way. Not my will, but yours. And I think that's always the place we have to come. His will is better than ours. I can prove that a thousand different ways. You've been following your own will. Uh, you don't even consider God. You never ask his opinion. If he, if he uh, appeared to you and told you what his will was, you wouldn't, you wouldn't care and you wouldn't do it. How's your life going? <laughs> pretty bad, pretty bad. His ways are better. So whatever we ask, we know that uh, he hears us and that our petitions that we desired of him, are we have them. If any man sit now this is a, this is a troublesome part here, okay? This is, this is pretty tough sledding. Much written, much debated. I'm just going to give you my best guess on this. If any man see his brother... Because we're talking about brothers, okay? You're saying, well, the brotherhood of man. No, he's talking about the brotherhood inside the church. We know that Jesus is our Savior, and there's a brotherhood and sisterhood in that. And he puts it in the pause in the term brother, but don't think it excludes sisters. It, it certainly doesn't. If any man sees brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that we shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. What are you talking about, John? We know the wages of sin is death. 
you know, God puts Adam and Eve in the garden. Don't eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat, you're going to die. And ever since, the wages of sin is death. Sin, death. Any questions? And God draws big with crayons and, and lets us know. Sin equals death. And it says that all through Scripture. Now we have John come along and say, well, there is a sin that's not unto death. You're a heretic. Let's take this whole book, rip it out of your Bible, throw it away, and let's go on to Second John. That's what we're looking at if he's talking about the same sin and the same death. Because we know that all Scripture says the wages of sin is death. He's, I think he's talking about the same sin. I don't think he's talking about the same death. The wages of sin is spiritual death, separation from God eternally. Any questions? Any objections? Everybody okay? We all know that. There are sins that don't result in physical death. Now, there are sins, I'll give you a couple of examples, that result in physical death. We studied Kadesh Barnea on Wednesday night. Kadesh, the glory. Barnea, the barrenness. Take a choice. You're going into the promised land. Oh, there's giants. Oh, it's, it, was that sinful, that lack of faith? Yeah. Now you've got a 38-year death march ahead of you. Your children will find out Wednesday night. Your children will inherit and you won't. Was there a sin that led to physical death? Yeah. Did all of them, all two and a half million, three million people, did they all go to hell for their lack of faith at Kadesh Barnea? I don't think that's the case. Can I give you a better example than that? Moses himself. Did Moses go into the promised land? No. Now, anyone here want to take the point, hey, Moses is in hell right now. You're ridiculous. That's, no, remember him on the Mount of Transfiguration? Moses is not in hell. I think I can say that fairly accurately and fairly surely. Did Moses sin a sin unto death that resulted in physical death? He didn't go into the promised land. Remember at the waters of Meribah, he, he, he smote the rock instead of speaking to the rock? Is that, was that a sin? Yeah. Did it lead to death? Yes, physical death. Did he go to hell? No, he didn't. And now you can take that and think all the way through Scripture. How about Ananias and Sapphira? They sinned a sin under physical death? They sure did. Were they damned for eternity? Well, you can argue that. You can say that. But I, I, I don't know that. I don't, I don't see that. And we can think of a lot of different places in Scripture where somebody does something, it results in physical death. There's a lot of things you can do that result in, in death. You cheat on your spouse, that's probably death to your marriage. It would be to mine. I'm just telling you flat out. So, you know, there are things that we, that we do that result. And all sin has this death principle. Like if I, if I were to commit adultery, God forbid, God, don't ever let me be that knuckleheaded. That would result in the physical death of my marriage. Would it result in me being damned for all eternity? No, Jesus Christ dies for adulterers too. So I, I mess up and I, you die and go to hell? Is that how you think about? Your spiritual life is very tenuous. You better not mess up. You better straighten up and fly right. Well, I hope adultery never happens to anybody here. And like I say, it may be the death of your marriage. Are you going to go to hell for it? Well, like I say, adulterers, Jesus died for adulterers and for murderers and for liars and for thieves and for the ne'er-do-wells of this world, like me. 
So if any, let's think about that. If any man sees his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, it's not going to result in physical death. Does he tell, give us an example? He doesn't. So fill in your own example. He shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. Hey, you shouldn't be, I'm going to talk to you about that. You shouldn't be lying like that. You shouldn't be, you know, being this way or that way, and I'll, and I'll talk to you about that. And I'll pray with you about that. And you say, yeah, I can't get over this sin. It's really irritating me. It's really, well, we'll have prayer about that. Um, he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say he shall pray for it. Wouldn't you pray for that as well? That's the part I don't, I can't understand. Can I give you an example? In 1 Corinthians 11, we see people who are sinning about the Lord's table. And Paul says that's resulted in some of you sleep because of that. Sleep being a euphemism for Christian death. You, you weren't working the Lord's Supper out right. You weren't, you weren't doing that. You were you know, greedy and you came there and you, you know, ate up everything before anyone else had a chance. You get drunk at the Lord's table. That, that, ain't, that ain't right and because of that some of you sleep. And sleep is not a euphemism for death. It's a euphemism for Christian death. Why? Because you're getting up again. Remember that, you know, Jairus' daughter? She was dead. Dead, dead, dead. She's, she ain't dead. She's asleep. You can say that when you're going to resurrect somebody, right? Went to a funeral yesterday, a graveside thing. It wasn't funeral per se. It was a, well, it was a committal service, right? At the, at the gravesite. Christian, godly man, someone who I cared about, Susan's uncle. No resurrection. Well, yet. And I think about that in the back of my mind saying, ah, people talk about taking a dirt nap. It's kind of crass, a little bit rude, but essentially true. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What about that physical shell? What about that? That's, that's in the ground. That's been, or maybe uh, it's been consumed in the fire. That's psh, done. <laughs> no, no, no. He's just taking a nap. He's going to get up, get up out of the ground. He'll be walking on the grave when that happens. Get, get really hurt. Story for another time. It is a sin unto death. And I don't, do not say... He shall pray for that. I don't stand that. Frankly, I don't stand that. Because if I saw somebody sin a sin that I think was going to result in their physical death, it seems like I'd warn them too. I don't know. If anyone had some ideas, you can come share them with me. I'd be happy to. Because I did a lot of reading on that. I didn't, I didn't come up with anything I thought was really worth sharing with you. Why we wouldn't pray for somebody whose sin is going to result in physical death. Like, uh, you know, like I say, some guy cheating on his wife, that's going to result in the death of your marriage. I will speak in every instance on that. Knock it off, knucklehead. What are you thinking? You know what I mean? So I would, uh, you always, and you would pray with that person like that. All unrighteousness is a sin, but there is a sin not unto death. It doesn't result in physical death. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Wait, what? Yeah. Remember when we talked about earlier, God's, Seed remains in him. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You show me somebody who's victimized by sin. I can't get out of it. I'm just in a sin. I'm locked in this pattern of... Really? People come to me sometimes and say, hey, you got to pray for my brother. 
Well, what's going on? Well, he left his wife and he's living with this lady or he's, you know, uh, taking drugs or he's doing this and this and this. Yeah, I'll pray. You know, but he really loves the Lord. What? He's leaving his wife for another woman and he really loves the Lord? I don't, you know that. I don't know that. Doesn't sound like a, a man of God to me. We say, can't men of God have problems too? Yeah, we all sin. But I mean, here's the verse of saying, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. And the word sinneth is, you know the F. King James is very helpful there. You know, we say, oh, I don't know about all these Fs. No, here it's very helpful. It means continuous present action. How many of us sin? You know, if I, if I ask to show hands, if you're honest, we're going to raise your hand. I'm going to raise both hands. I'm going to raise a leg too. I have a problem with sin. I mean, I know that, and I know that I'm not supposed to because I'm a man of God, and I love Jesus Christ. I'm not supposed to, but it's not talking about sinning. It's talking about practicing sin. So I have a problem with fill in the blank. Uh, the, the bottle, drugs, uh, pornography, anger, unforgiveness. Fill in the blank. If I can't overcome that, what am I saying? I'm saying God's not really at work in my life. The Holy Spirit's not alive in my life. God's seed isn't in me. I'm victimized by sin. I'm still in Egypt. I can't get out of it. I'm still a slave to sin. And that's my message. And the, I get really angry about that because the Bible knows nothing of that. You might say, oh, I live in that place where I'm always sinning and I can't stop. What are you talking about? Listen, I, all I know is this. I, I was crazy, out of my head, rebellious against God, acting out, living my own life, miserably. I asked Christ to save me. He did. What happened? The Holy Spirit came in my life and changed everything. <laughs> changed my desires, changed my life, changed my desire to serve Him, changed my worship, changed my marriage, changed my... Because why? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Have I said that? Old things, well... They're passed away. Oh, I can't get over the, the bottle. I can't. What are you talking about? What are you incoherently babbling about? He's given us victory over alcohol or drugs or pornography or anger or whatever it is. And, and we, we go on saying, oh, and try to make excuses for it. Well, if we're still sinning, practicing sin, that's, that's, that's a us problem. That's a choice that we made. Don't say, Jesus saved me and left me victimized in my sin and he can't redeem me from it. I'll get very upset with you when I hear that. Because, one, you can live better than that. Two, you're casting dispersions on my Savior and on his mighty power to deliver us from sin. I'm not living a perfect life. I'm living a significantly holy life. You're saying, boy, you're arrogant. No, I'm bragging about Jesus and what he's done for me. I'm not saying I'm awesome. You know, I share a lot of times. And, say, and my, my, my whole thinking about sharing, when I'm saying like, hey, you can do this. Be like me. It's like, not I'm awesome. Be like me. Look, look at what Jesus has done. That's, that's, that's kind of why I share. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm you. I'm just like you. There's no difference whatsoever. None. Oh, you're a pastor of a church. You're not like this holy and 
You're ridiculous. No, I'm not. I'm just like you in everything. There's no difference whatsoever, except that I let the Spirit of God work in my life and bring me to the place that he wants me to be, and some of us don't do that. That's the whole thing. Life is choices. Here's my choice, Lord. I want to be like Jesus. I want people to actually mistake me for him. That's, that's the whole thing. Bring about your glory in me. Uh, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to come under the likeness of his Son. You know, you know the verse, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord who are the call according to his purpose. We all know that. It's not what the verse ends. We know, what do you say? Good, I'm, I stepped in a puddle. I, I stepped in this and I fell through the ice and I broke my leg and I, how's this good? Because it's becoming, somehow we're becoming more like Jesus through all that stuff. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to become unto the likeness of the image of his son. Let me tell you something about Jesus. He's not practicing sin. He never sinned. He's not overcome by sin. He became sin for us. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. There was a transaction. This is wonderful. I tell you, this, this is what got me saved. Somebody explained to me, God will take your sin. I'm thinking, somebody else. <laughs> I got need. I, I need help. I, I can't stop. I can't just become unsinful. I just I tried that. I tried reform. I tried religion. Try, I'm never gonna white knuckle my way through. I'm never gonna sin again. I'm never gonna do this thing. I'm just not gonna. And Satan laughs at our white knuckles. He really, really does. You have to understand that. And then I became saved, and the Holy Spirit of God took up residence and made the changes that I could never make. Jesus is for real. We know that whosoever is born of, born of God sinneth not, does not keep practicing wickedness. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Satan can't grab me. He can't get hold of me. He can't jostle me, hassle me. Does he tempt me? Yeah, but I can overcome. I can tread on snakes and scorpions. Scripture says that. Now, I've been saying for a while now, I want to share with you what scares me, because I don't like to be scared. And I always say, ah, I'm 10 foot tall and bulletproof, fearless in Christ. Faith and fear don't go hand in hand again. Have you ever heard me talk like that? I talk like that all the time. And I've been sharing the last few weeks, I'm going to tell you what scares me. Anyone interested in that at all? Okay, this is it. I have had children, and at one time I was very scared. And now I have grandkids, and I'm very scared that they're going to that some pervert will get hold of them and very bad things will happen. Say, yeah, I know, that scares me too. I don't even want to talk about it. It, it. It's terrifying. When a child disappears, it's never so someone can give them gum and lollipops and bless them and nefarious activities take place. Children are found dead, or they're kidnapped into a life of forced prostitution, and say, "Well, Adam, I'm glad I came this morning. This is really cheery." I'm just telling you what terrifies me. And you say, "Well, yeah, but that never happened to you." Thank God, but it's happened to some people, and it's happened to. Most everyone in the whole world. You say, what are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about the next verse. The wicked one touches him not, the one who God keeps, but we know that we are in God. And the whole world lieth in wickedness. That's just my greatest, biggest fear right there. The whole world, it's, lieth here means is asleep. 
literally in the lap of the wicked one. I don't want a pervert to get hold of my children, my grandchildren. The pervert got, got the whole world lying in his lap. This explains so much. It really does. Because people say, Adam, how come you don't believe the news? How come I don't believe the news? Seeing is not believing, but beyond all that, three and a half years of Russia collusion, and you're still turning on to see what's going on in the world. Okay, whatever, whatever. The whole world lies in the lap of the wicked one. That's why you you can explain everything that way. How come the news is the way the news is? How come politics is the way the politics are? How come school system is the way school system is? Because the whole world is asleep in the lap of the wicked one. Everyone's going in a stream and going in the same direction. When you get saved, you're that verb, proverbial sentence. Anyone see the show The Chosen? I love that because at the beginning, all the fish are swimming in the same direction. And then like one changes color and starts swimming. In the, and I say, that's... A, that is insightful. That's exactly what it is. So I got saved, and I felt like I woke up and I was sleeping in a den of adders, and that was crazy. I could have got bit. I could have. I could have got poisoned to death. I. I was. I was in among them and doing what they do and stuff like that. I got saved, and now I, I always feel like I'm a minority in a minority in a minority. I always feel like that proverbial salmon swimming up, and the whole. Sewerage flowing down with, and you just live in it, and you just work in it, and and you just and you don't even, you're not even aware of it. You're so into it, and and that's that's exactly what God doesn't want us to be. The whole world is asleep in the lap of the wicked one. That explains so much. So people come to me and say, "Hey, Adam, what about uh, flying saucers?" And you know, I heard about the uh, the, the well, the Greys. Everyone knows about the Greys. And then there's these insect, uh, insectoid insectoids, and then there's the Nords, and then there's the uh, reptilian ones, and then there's the and what about that? Are they interdimensional? They really exist? And doesn't that cast aspersions on God's character? And what about and I don't know any of that. I know that the whole world's asleep in the lap of the wicked one. And if I had to take an educated guess, I'd say, I bet they're demonic posing as extraterrestrials. That'd be my best guess. Do I know that? I don't know that. I know that the whole world's asleep in the lap of the wicked one. And I said, that's why education works the way education. Has any teacher in the last... 40 or 50 years, you say, well, Adam, there's good teachers. Well, I know that. Are these good teachers teaching your children about Jesus Christ? Oh, my goodness, no. When Susan was in school and she was doing, like, abstinence education, you can't say the G word. You cannot even say the word God. And they let her know, don't be spreading any religion here. Don't be saying, so she's going to tell them how, why to be abstinent, and God can't enter the picture. Don't tell me. I know this to be the case. Why do you think they push evolution? Look, zillion billion years ago, there was nothing. Then it exploded. And then through these chemicals, which came about spontaneously through this explosion, proteins got together, and then that in four and a half billion years, and now here you are. Insane. I guess it's a fairy tale, easily provably wrong. And but why do they? 
It's, it's, it's a religion, and they drill it into our kids, and they, they make our kids dogmatic about it. Why? I have a reason that I think the whole world lies, is asleep in the lap of the wicked one. And you're not, <laughs> you don't have to act like the world. You don't have to be like the world. You don't have to think the world's thoughts. You're free. You're, you're, he's remade our mind. He's, he's liberated us. We're free from sin. Jesus awesome, or is it just me who thinks that? Okay, I'm going to end here. I'm no gone a couple minutes over already. I'm sorry, but we got to. We are in God, but the whole world lies in wickedness, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true, and we are in Him that is true, even in His Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Look. People miss the boat. Jesus Christ isn't God, they say. Can't you read like at a first grade level? We know that, that the Son of God has come. By the way, the Son of God is God the Son. A son of gir- or a giraffe would be a giraffe. A son of a hippopotamus would be a hippopotamus. A son of a cat would be a cat. We get that, right? Well, the Son of God is God the Son. Does that work with us? We're sons of God, so we're deified too, right? We're adopted sons of God. There's no genetics. Only works with genetics. You have adopted a cat. Cat didn't become human, right? You went to the animal shelter. You adopted a, pu- a puppy. You treat the puppy like he's a human being, but he's not really, okay? His genetics didn't change. There's no genetics there, okay? Hopefully, and you got a, that cat, and he's a cat still. And, but I treat him like a son. Great. Great. He's still a cat. We get it. The Son of God is God the Son. He's given us an understanding, and I've been talking about that, that we may know him that is true, and I've been talking about that. And we are in him that is true. That's how we know true truth, because we're in him. And he's given us his mind. He's given us his understanding. And we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's Son. He's Jesus the Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Who's the true God? Jesus Christ is the true God. Who's eternal life? Jesus Christ is eternal life. And again, you can't separate these. Jesus is God, God the Son, and he is eternal life. And you cannot pull those apart. Back to verse 11. This is the record that God has given us, eternal life. This life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. I, I can't make it any easier than that. I... I If that offends you, take it up with the author, who isn't me. And these things I've written to you, to believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Awesome, awesome. He's going to stand in front of God one day. He's not going to mention any of my sins. He's going to say, hey, why should you come in my heaven? I know Jesus. He goes, come on in, come on in. Welcome. This is... The true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. There's a whole sermon I'm going to sum up in about two minutes, okay? Just add that on. Keep yourself from idols. All our problem is idolatry. I mentioned pornography. I mentioned sex. And I mentioned, I think that's more important than serving God. I'd rather, because sex isn't my idol. That's the whole problem. Listen, if we put God first, everything else finds its right, normal place. You can make an idol out of anything. It's money. I live at the office. I work, work, work. I'm piling up big stacks of money. My family hasn't seen me in months, but it's okay because I'm, I'm salting away the dollars. And you're dumb. 
and you're an idolater. And I never give because, oh, I wouldn't give my God away. That's ridiculous. By the way, giving helps us keep God in perspective. I'm giving to God. I'm, I'm not giving my idol away. I'm giving money to my all-important God. See, if you think this all the way through, and I want you on your way home, you can talk about this. Food for thought, food for discussion on the way home. How is idolatry ru- ru- ruining our lives? I'd rather gain your approval than tell you the truth. Actually, I gain your approval by telling you the truth. If I go out there, it's not the same way, right? I got to pretend that everything is, you know, that men are women, women are men, and whatever, and gender is very fluid, and uh, sexuality is not. You're imprinted on that, and whatever. And I got to, I got to lie to you to get you to like me. It's idolatry. Fear of men is more important than serving God. All my problems, idolatry. When I put God first, Lord, you're exalted above everything. You're my obsession. I pray the first thing in the morning is my last best thought at night. We go over the day and what have I done wrong and how have I displeased you and let's fix this and what. You do that too, right? Of course you do. And then everything else finds its meaning, finds its normal. The reason my marriage works so well Put God first. <laughs> that easy. It really is. I have a good work ethic. Why? Because I put God first. And everything has its perspective and everything gains its proper place. God first. Let's stand. Let's pray. Man's going to come and lead us out of here and worship. I've gone over, but we finished first, John. Yay! And you're going to get your dinner 15 minutes late today. I'm sorry. No worries. Okay. But we thank you for this incredible book. We thank you that we know that we have eternal life through our blessed Savior, our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. God bless us. Now the Lord bless thee and keep thee. Lord, make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.